smart now. Can't be apathetic. We can't be lazy. You got to be smart to protect yourself and your family. Now, being smart is going to put you ahead of 95% of Americans. Not to say that they're dumb, but they're not focused on what's important. And we are. So one of the things that we will uh, talk to you about in the future this summer and fall is avoiding blunders. And that is one of the things the Biden administration is not doing. In fact, I have never seen so many blunders from an executive branch in my lifetime that are happening now. And that is the subject of this evening's Talking Points memo. So the oil situation is the biggest blunder of the Biden administration. He's going to Saudi Arabia on Saturday, the president is, to talk to the sheikhs about pumping more oil. Can you imagine this? So uh, five years ago, under Donald Trump, six years ago, the USA was energy independent. We didn't need to buy any energy anywhere because we were producing it. First day in office... Joe Biden comes in January 20th, 2021, and attacks the American energy industry. We all know this. He slaps regulations on it in harvesting oil, fracking, coal, everything in the name of global warming. That sent a signal to the rest of the world that the U.S. energy industry was going to decline, which it has. Therefore, the price worldwide of a barrel of oil went up and up and up. And that's why inflation exploded in the USA and other countries, because we're paying more to drive an automobile, heat and cool our homes. And that affects everything. All right, we all got it. Biden, 100% his fault, not Putin, not the oil companies, Biden. Okay, so now he has to go over to Saudi Arabia, a country he despises, as do most leftists in America, because it's a totalitarian state. If they want to murder somebody, they murder somebody. He's got to go there and say, come, please pump more oil. And then he's going to have to give the sheikh something to get more oil. He'll get it. But we'll give them weapons or we'll give them whatever they want. And you'll never hear about that what we give them. Okay, so Biden is desperate now. The Democratic Party is desperate because they see the numbers. 33% job approval in a New York Times for President Biden? Unheard of. But even the dimmest of us, people who never will lead a smart life, know he's screwing up. The only people that are behind Biden are the zealots, the hardcore If they weren't hardcore leftists, they'd be moonies. Okay, so this is a catastrophe. And now people trying to defend Biden are looking like they're clowns. Roll the tape. Your administration has blamed this on the, 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 you know, the war, and that was certainly a big factor, but gas prices had gone up Very 50% factor. already before the war. So to me, that's half yeah. of the blame, not all the blame. Yeah, and what's, what I'm saying about it is that when it comes to these sky-high gas prices, 
Drivers are mad about it. I'm mad about it. The president's mad about it. Oil company executives are thrilled because this is good news for them. Okay, so why didn't Neil Cavuto say, wait a minute, oil company executives are thrilled? Well, that may be so, but they didn't gouge under Trump, did they? The oil companies didn't exploit oil under Trump because they couldn't, because it was enough product. It's supply and demand. Now, Cavuto didn't do that. I can't tell you why he didn't do it. It's obvious that he should have. And Buttigieg himself, Secretary of Transportation, under his watch, the airline industry's collapsed. He's done nothing. So Biden and, and, and Buttigieg, they're compatible. We're not going to do anything to solve anything. Okay, just a reminder, last year at Trump's presidency, gasoline averaged $2.17 in this country. <laughs> it's unbelievable. What is it, five bucks now? It's going down a little bit now. All right, because the futures market sees that OPEC is probably going to pump more. But we're still paying ridiculous prices for a gallon of gas to heat and cool your home. Now, this is such a catastrophe. The Biden administration is such a catastrophe that even CNN, in the tank for Biden all day long, tried to get him elected in every way possible. Okay, even CNN is challenging. Go. What was the president's response to a new poll from The New York Times today showing that 64 percent of Democrats say that they would prefer a different candidate in 2024? And um, I would also say from that very same poll, um, there were 92 percent of uh, Democrats who uh, support this president as well. Not true. So she stands up there, this woman, and just lies. All right, here's the truth. 70% of Democrats approve, not 92%, all right? 25% disapprove, according to New York Times poll. 68% of independents, which is the key voting block now, disapprove. So Biden's toast. As I told you, he's not going to run again in 24. I don't think he's going to make his first term out, as I've told you. I don't want to be repetitive here. Now, uh, what was uh, Miss? Jean-Pierre referring to with the 92% figure, okay? She was referring to another question that said, if Biden runs against Trump, would you support Trump or Biden? That's the 92% that Ms. Jean-Pierre was referring to, but it had nothing to do with the question. So she misled the nation, Jean-Pierre did, and she could fall back on that question, Trump versus Biden. You see what this is? This is propaganda. This is what they do. Isn't it a shame that the White House press secretary responsible for delivering honest information to the American public is dishonest? Isn't that a shame? Now, you may say they all do it. And to some extent, you're right. But not that. That's just blatant. Now, Ms. Collins, the White House correspondent for CNN, should have said, wait a minute. I got the poll right here. And the 92% isn't the job approval rating. Why are you saying it is? But Collins can't do that because she works for CNN. And her liberal base would be outraged that she followed up. So she's dishonest. And maybe that's too harsh. Maybe that's too harsh on Caitlin Collins. But she, like Cavuto, they, they're not prepared for the dishonesty. I mean, Cavuto could have just slayed Buttigieg. 
slayed him. But he didn't. And Collins' easy follow-up, wait a minute, wait a minute, I have the poll right here, uh, Madam Secretary, or whatever you call her. And it's 70%, not 92. What are you talking about? Wouldn't do it. Or wasn't smart enough to do it. See, this, this disturbs me as a journalist because you, the American people in general now, you'll get the truth here, but not everybody watches the No Spin News to their detriment. Because they don't know what the deuce is going on because of the deception in the government and the incompetence slash deception in the media. You combine it till you don't know what's going on. One guy who does know what's going on, who is an honest man, and I bring him on, you know, monthly now, is Doug Schoen. So Doug is a Democrat political strategist, long resume, worked for Bill Clinton and on and on and on. Um, and he sees the destruction of the Biden administration firsthand. He joins us now from New York City. So in my Talking Points memo, when I, I did that to set you up, did I yep. go awry anywhere, in your opinion? No, no. The, the only thing I would add, Bill, is in addition to uh, giving up energy independence, which Biden has done, the Democrats have completely punted the immigration issue. Uh, the open borders are back. There's no movement towards uh, tightening the borders. If the uh, judge the last week had not kept Title 42 in place, it would be even worse for Biden. But what I've read recently, which startles me, is they've come back to this Build Back Better bill, which is a complete disaster, will fuel inflation, raise taxes, raise spending. Yeah, and that's but that's their, never going to, not even going to get anywhere. You know that. I mean, Colin never put it up before the election. Nobody, will, and, and Manchin and Cinema wouldn't do it anyway. But the reason I didn't mention the border and other blunders is because I wanted to do a, a memo in the context of him going to Saudi Arabia. And in my opinion, the number one blunder is destroying the American energy industry to the extent that it comes home to each American. And that, as you know, is going to be the overriding issue in the midterm election, correct? That plus prices at the grocery store. Yeah, it's put simply inflation and the inability of the Biden administration to do anything about it, to have a plan for energy independence and for prices uh, at the retail counter. Bill, it's an unmitigated disaster. And as his approval, the president's, gets close to or at 30 percent, we're looking to historic, historic uh, levels of uh, defeat for the Democrats in the midterm. Um, I have said that over and over again, Joe Biden cannot process information. Now, you may see this differently, and if you do, I want your opinion. So I don't think that Biden lives in the real world. Now, he knows the poll numbers are low. He does. They have to tell him that. I don't know how much they tell him, but they, he knows he's not doing well. But he doesn't correlate the global warming, climate change, um, far left progressive movement with the destruction or the harm to the American industry, American energy industry. He doesn't see that. He thinks he's noble in trying to get the country away from fossil fuels, despite all the pain. Despite all the economic pain, would you say that's an accurate assessment of him? I, I would say it's an accurate assessment. Put another way, we need more drilling. 
We need the Keystone Pipeline. We need fracking. We need to have what we had under Donald Trump, which was effective energy independence. Okay, I know what we need, but Biden's mindset is not that. He's not going to bed every go. He's not going to bed every night going, gee, we need what Doug Schoen just said. He's going to bed, go, I'm a saint because I'm advancing the cause of climate change. That's what he's going to bed saying, right? And that is what ultimately is hurting him, hurting the American people, and will cost him potentially control of Congress. Okay. Now, in your latest column, first, tell everybody where they can read your columns, Doug. Uh, I am in the Hill every week. I am in the Orange County Register. Okay. Orange County Register every week, thehill.com. Yes, Throw sir. that up. You can read Doug. Now, you are very hard on Vice President Harris. You say that the woman is almost incapable of public speaking. Let's roll a tape on that. We'll analyze. When you look back, did Democrats fail past Democratic presidents, congressional leaders to not codify Roe v. Wade over the past five decades? I think that, to be very honest with you, I, I do believe that we should have rightly believed, but we certainly believe that certain issues are just settled. Certain issues are just settled. Clearly we're not. No, that's right. And that's why I do believe that we are living, sadly, in um, real unsettled times. Okay, so she wouldn't hammer the Democratic Party for not codifying Roe v. Wade, which wouldn't have done any good anyway, because the Supreme Court can throw out any law made by Congress. So it's ridiculous. The whole argument is stupid. But If Joe Biden resigns, and again, I give him a 30 percent chance in 2023 to quit because of health reasons, then she becomes president. And you say that would be a disaster as well. It would be a disaster for the reasons the viewers saw just now. She can't answer a simple question about whether something should be a law or not. She didn't really appear to know or have an opinion. And bottom line, She was a disaster when she was handling the border. They've kept her under wraps. Her staff is departing. One seems to go every week or two. There is nothing that she has contributed that has worked out well for Joe Biden. That's for sure. Now, final question for you. Democrats, liberals, the media all want Donald Trump to announce he's running for president in 24 as soon as possible because they believe that would re-energize the Democratic Party and maybe not, maybe stave off a disaster in November. How do you see that? Midterm elections are invariably a referendum on the incumbent party. Given that Biden's ratings are approaching 30%, I understand the argument, but reject it. That is, yes, Trump is front and center with the January 6th hearings if he announced it would give the Democrats a focal point. But people are going to vote yay or nay on Biden and his performance, not on Donald Trump. Okay, but there are, in my opinion, Democrats who will stay home in November. They won't pull the lever for Republicans because they're fed up with what's happening in a country. They'll just stay home. But if that's, Trump and- that's absolutely Go ahead. the case, and there's some, of, some Democrats who will vote Republican because what's some- going on now is unsustainable. Some, but voting blocks like African-Americans, no, Hispanic, no. Hispanics are going to go over to the GOP no. side, but African-Americans, no. things like that, 
they might just say, look, I'm getting hammered. I'm not going to go vote at all. Um, may, I mean, it's speculation. But if Trump's in, if Trump announces those people who might stay home, who still hate him, and that's a lot of people, might come out. That's my point. And that's certainly possible. Yes, Bill. Okay. Doug Schoen, everyone, uh, again, catches uh, stuff at the Orange County Register. It's a newspaper in California and on the Hill. Thank you, Doug. It's another morning and you're all set for work. You grab your coffee, head out the door, and your car decides today's the day it won't start. Panic sets in. You're not just late, you're stranded. Get ahead of unexpected car repairs before they strike with CarShield the most trusted vehicle protection company. For almost 20 years, CarShield has saved millions of drivers from repair nightmares with low monthly plans that cover up to 5,000 major parts and systems like pricey transmission and engine repairs and check engine light mysteries. Visit CarShield today at carshield.com carlson. Plans include unlimited miles, 24-7 roadside assistance, help with flats, lockouts, and rental car options. Save 20% and get a a free quote by visiting CarShield online at carshield.com slash Carlson. Don't wait for the next surprise. Choose peace of mind with CarShield. Go to carshield.com slash Carlson and save 20% today. All right, 70% of Americans, according to Magnify Money, which is some group that does this kind of stuff, believe that a recession is coming. It's already here. I told you it's already here. Um, here are the questions. Do you think a recession is coming? 70s, yes. Uh, no, six. <laughs> Not sure, 24. Um, do you feel financially prepared for a recession? Yes, 32. No, 68. What are you doing to fight uh, or prepare for a recession? Cutting back spending, 62%. That's absolutely what's happening. And we'll give you some good tips at the end of the broadcast to help you in that regard. Now, in the face of all this, uh, the I call them totalitarian left, that wants to run the country with no dissent. They attack people like me, all right, and other people um, because they won't even consider our point of view. And if a lefty like Bill Maher, the comedian on HBO, if he criticizes them, they go crazy. And Dave Chappelle, the comedian, you know, on and on and on and on. So they don't have any sense of humor. That's gone. Now, it used to be they did, and I'm going to run you a clip. O'Reilly John Stewart, you know the relationship that I had with him. Stewart is an ardent liberal, remains so this day, but we had fun with Stewart. Roll the tape. You were, you were on Oprah. I was on with Oprah. This book, with this book. Yes. I can't, I can't get on Oprah. She doesn't like you. I know. Why? Why do you think she doesn't You're like not you? likable. Is that right? Yes. It's just as simple as that? <laughs> no, it's not as simple as that. I don't know why. Maybe She likes you. She you're, really likes but you. But your books are more polemics. This book is, is good humor. <laughs> Nonsense, gibberish, well-crafted satire, depending on if I were on, let's say, a, a different network. But it's, yes, <laughs> she enjoys that. She's not as into uh, the polemic, let's say. Okay. So, so she, she doesn't want to talk politics with somebody like me. That's right. She'd rather talk nonsense with somebody like you. Now you're understanding daytime television. Well done, sir. All right. So, I mean, that was just gold. All right. So we had a, a good relationship, John Stewart and me, and everybody watched, you know. And it kind of brought a little comfort to both sides that you can have that kind of a dialogue. Um, but that's gone. So the guy who knows it's gone is Eddie Scari, who uh, writes for the Washington Examiner. I want to get that correct. 
And he's got a, a little book, cute little book, uh, out, Liberal Misery. Is, you see that little unhappy face there? Uh, and he uh, makes the point that it's, it's really brutal out there. Eddie joins us from Washington. Um, when, did it, when did it change? When did it turn? I would say that there was a real turning point. This has been the case for a while, but when I really started to notice it was in 2020. Um, it was the campaign that was obviously very tense. Um, there was the, the COVID nagging, stay home, social distance. Uh, why are you traveling? Wear your mask. Um, and then, of course, there were the, um, the mostly peaceful George Floyd riots. Um, and I'm, I'm in that atmosphere, I started, you know, there were, there were people, I live in Washington, D.C., so uh, most of the people I deal with and associate with just happen to be liberal. Uh, it's a very liberal place. Um, I, th there were friends that no longer wanted to talk to me. Um, if I was going on a date or even just like social gatherings, dinner parties, there were, there were people who would suddenly erupt if you disagreed with them um, and make you feel very, very uncomfortable despite the fact that you're a perfect stranger. Um, and yet they felt with impunity that they could say whatever it was they had to say and everyone should agree with it. That was when I started feeling the misery and I would ask myself, why are liberals so miserable? Um, and then I, I, I found while researching my book that there's actually a lot of data, surveys and studies that answered that exact question. <laughs> All right. But it, I think you hit it. It was Donald Trump's election that really put the progressives into the miserable category. Number one, yes. they couldn't believe it, that he was elected. Number two, they hate him so much. It's a visceral, emotional hate to this day, no matter how much Joe Biden destroys the country matter how many problems Biden brings, they would still vote for Biden over Trump. And that kind of irrational hatred, that just threw all discourse out. The, the clip I used with Jon Stewart was 2010. And, you know, it was intense. I mean, the Iraq war was intense. Uh, Barack Obama was intense. A lot of conservatives didn't like him. But you could still have that kind of, you know, genial back and forth. And now you can't. You never. Do you see any of that on cable TV or network TV? Any of that back and forth that Stuart and I once did? No, absolutely not. Um, one thing I will say is, yes, I do think that Donald Trump, the election of Donald Trump kind of put this whole thing on steroids because he is everything and his supporters are everything that liberals hate. Masculinity, um, independence, strong independence. Um, and, and I would say even patriotism for this country. Uh, but I, I, that was something I also wondered was, did it, did it 100% start there? But there, there were, uh, like I was telling you, there's all these surveys and studies about this. <clears throat> I found that, um, you know, Pew, Gallup, they tend to ask this, uh, similar questions each year. I went back to the Obama years and found that they were kind of expressing the same sentiment. They were express, they were Democrats and liberals were more likely to express a, uh, a, a less satisfaction with their lives in every aspect, by the way. Um, they were more likely to say that they would that they would block somebody on social media because they didn't agree with them. More likely to say they're less happy with their marriages, their families, their where they live, um, what their jobs are. Um, so it's, it wasn't just Trump, but yes, I do think that he put it on steroids. And then yeah, that, to, they to, emerged to your other point. Then, right. And, and one of the surveys that you cite in your book says that religious people are the happiest group in America. Um, yes, so if that's, you're a that's, believer, something, associated, that's yeah. something associated with happiness is religiosity. 
Right, right. Because it's a higher power and then there's there's uh, a prayer that things might get better and, and, and there's a hope. Hope is the big thing. Now, one of the things that disturbs me about the progressive left is the totalitarian aspect of it. And the media has propped that up. So Hollywood, almost 100 percent now progressive. I know very talented producers, writers and actors who can't work because they won't be hired unless they take this kind of, are you a progressive? You know, it's almost like the McCarthy era. It is like the McCarthy era in reverse. You couple that with all of the media, corporate media, with the exception of Fox News, being left wing. And younger Americans, say ages 15 to 30, they're indoctrinated because all they hear and see in entertainment, on the internet, on the news, is left-wing propaganda. Am I wrong? No, there's an entire chapter about that um, in Liberal Misery that is just, if you don't, (laughs) when it comes to entertainment, TV, Hollywood, movies, um, unless you're going to be really boring, you cannot say anything. Um, You look at all of the late night shows, they're not funny anymore. You look at the award shows, which used used to be something everyone enjoyed watching. You would get fun music, funny comedy, all sorts of stuff. Um, those are just now just uh, just basically political activism. Um, and that's the reason for that um, is something I found was just that there is this this all consuming nature about politics with liberals and Democrats. It's what they wake up thinking about. It's what they go to bed thinking about. It has become something that they cannot take a break. That's why they can't entertain an idea, as you were just saying. Liberals don't want to see Jon Stewart with Bill O'Reilly. They want to see Jon Stewart with uh, Noah whatever, the guy who replaced him. They want to see, and and that guy is so unfunny. I cite him as an example in the book. He basically comes on TV and just says everyone's racist. That's his comedy routine. Right, but none of them (laughs) are successful. entertainment is gone. Right. The three late night hosts are not successful. They don't draw an audience. Trevor Noah, you're referring to, took Stewart's place. Not successful. Uh, all, uh, none of them are successful. But you know what? Chelsea corporate Handler. Media, corporate media doesn't care. They don't care. Oh, they no. would, they're taking less profit because they want that ideology front and center rather than a Johnny Carson or a Jay Leno or even Letterman. Because I had a lot of good back and forth with Letterman. Okay, they would rather have fewer viewers than to stop the progressive madness. Last word. Yeah. And because that this is another theme in my book, that corporations, the reason why everything is so woke now is because the left has pressured them and said, we are going to destroy your company if you don't come out and say exactly what we want want you to say. You do not see that on the right. And that's another factor of liberal misery. (laughs) All right. The book Liberal Misery, How the Hateful Left Sucks Joy Out of Everything and Everyone out now in softback. So it's not going to cost you a lot of money to read Eddie's uh, book. And I think you'll uh, learn something from it. Thanks, Ed. We appreciate you coming on. There are two people that are spokespersons for the January 6th committee. Liz Cheney, you know about her. She in three weeks will be gone because the voters in Wyoming are going to boot her out of her seat. And a guy named Jamie Raskin, a Democratic congressman from Maryland. So here's what Raskin said this week. Go. White House counsel Pat Cipollone has corroborated um, almost everything that we had learned from the prior hearings. Um, And he had 
clearly tried to talk President Trump down from his efforts to uh, override the election. I mean, he, he had been apparently accepting and supportive of the lawsuits. Okay, that's just not true. And Raskin knows it's not true. So Chip Aloni, who was the uh, presidential counsel, um, his name is Pat Cipollone, I should say. Um, he uh, became counsel December 10th, 2018. 56 years old, New York City resident, married with 10 children. Guy's got 10 kids. So he took over, but he didn't confirm, uh, the, uh, Raskin says, almost everything. No, he didn't. That's just not true. And Raskin doesn't care what's true. He knows the media will run whatever he says. All right. So, again, the most important thing, accusation, was from this Cassidy Hutchinson. Now, we've done some investigating. It would be physically impossible for a president or any human being, any human being, sitting in the backseat of a limousine to reach across and grab the steering wheel. It's impossible. Physically impossible. You can't do it. All right. So, again, that just wipes it all out. But Cipollone, Cipollone is interesting, all right, because he was counsel. And uh, he did disagree with Donald Trump on January 6th. Roll the tape. With respect to the whole election fraud issue, it, to me, it's sort of if you're going to make those kind of claims. And people were open to them early on because people were making all sorts of claims. And the real question is, show the evidence, okay? Okay, that's what we've said from the very beginning. You cannot make a blanket statement that there was massive fraud in the election unless you have evidence to back it up. There is some evidence. The Zuckerberg Wisconsin stuff is the strongest. But certainly uh, on January 6th, 2021, that evidence did not exist. So Cipollone disagreed with his boss, Donald Trump. That is true. And most people in the White House at that point did not want President Trump to go to the Capitol after that riot began. That is true. So I'm going to just give you this one last time because I don't want to be repetitive. All right. We're going to do this for the record because I know what happened. So three days before, on January 3rd, 2021, the White House knew that there was going to be a big demonstration in Washington. They also knew that people were coming in with some kind of harm potential. They didn't know specifically, but they knew it could get out of hand. The next day, the 4th, the White House, Donald Trump, began discussions with the Pentagon about moving National Guard into D.C. to protect all government buildings, not just the Capitol, but the White House, all. But the law states clearly that in order to put troops in front of the Capitol on the Capitol grounds, because if you've been to the Capitol, it's a huge, you know, uh, complex, that Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, has to request along with Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser. On the 5th, that was given to Pelosi and Bowser, that 
the White House was recommending National Guard be brought in by the Pentagon. Those women did not reply. And so the Guard was alerted, and this is all fact. It's absolute backed up fact. So that throws all criminal referrals about Donald Trump right out the window. Because if he wanted to incite violence, why would there be high-level meetings three days out to bring in a protective agency, the National Guard. It's a, you know, that's it. That's the esculpatory evidence that will knock out any kind of madness going forward. But the propaganda value of the January 6th committee is the only thing that progressive Democrats have now. That's it. All right. So what I am telling you is absolutely true. Was there strife between Donald Trump and his staff? Yes, there was. Trump, as always, reacted emotionally. Did Trump want a demonstration on his behalf in Washington? Yes, he did. He wanted one, a big demonstration. But he didn't want violence because that would have been insane. And he's not insane. So that is the truth. Who was there for the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is catastrophically injured in the line of duty? Who is helping our nation's homeless veterans? And who is helping our nation keep its vow to never forget 9-11? I'll tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The foundations in the line of duty programs honor our nation's heroes and their families. That includes its Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran programs. The foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America. Over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year. Dozens of golf outings and barbecues. And the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is helping to educate kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about our nation's darkest day, 9-11. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. This charity keeps its word and honors our nation's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Did you know every day is a perfect day for peace of mind? With American Home Shield Warranty, you are covered for unexpected breakdowns like leaky faucets or faulty water heaters. Choose a plan that fits your budget and rest easy knowing repairs and replacements are taken care of. Simply contact American Home Shield when an issue arises and their trusted pros will handle it according to your coverage. Don't let worries about appliances and home systems weigh you down. Celebrate the reassurance of protection. Don't worry, be warranty. For 20% off plans, visit ahs.com slash bill. For more details, see ahs.com slash contracts for coverage details, including limit amounts, fees, limitations, and exclusions. New Jersey residents, the product is being offered is a service contract and is separate and distinct from any product or service warranty, which may be provided by the home builder or manufacturer. Okay, let's go over to Avaldi. Uh, so there's a tape, new tape out. Uh, I'm not going to really get into the tape too much because it's such a tragic thing. I mean, it's ridiculous um, that... You know, all these children were killed, 17 of them, um, and uh, 19 students, two teachers, okay? So uh, now the tape uh, chronicles that it took one hour and 17 minutes 
for law enforcement to confront the murderer. So obviously this is unacceptable, and, and, but it, it's a more, and not important, it's, it's a more vivid display of the point I want to make here, which is a point that every American should understand. The police, and I am a police supporter. My grandfather was a New York City police officer, okay? The police cannot, and in some cases will not, protect Americans from violence. Ovaldi is a perfect example. There's no excuse for this incompetence, none. But those kids, and I don't know whether they could be saved or not, 19 of them are dead. And the authorities waited outside for one hour and 17 minutes. No. So therefore, many Americans say we have to protect ourselves with guns. All right. And we need the ARs and we need, um, you know, we need permits to carry. We need the Second Amendment at the highest level because we have to protect ourselves. Now, I think most Americans are in that group now because they've seen that the authorities cannot protect you. But here's the irony of it. The totalitarian left that we we're just talking about, they want to ban, in some cases, all guns. They'd like to go to the Japan system. All right, no guns. All right, but at the very minimum, ban weapons of war, the ARs and things like that. Okay. So we did an analysis of this. So from 2000, uh, from 1994 to 2004, ARs were banned in this country, okay, for 10 years. Before the ban, mass murder deaths in the USA, which is four or more fatalities, that's a mass murder event, four or more, averaged seven a year, okay, up until 1994. Then when the ban took place for 10 years, it dropped to five a year, okay? Then after the ban was lifted on weapons of war, it went up to 25 a year. Now, that's a big jump, a five-fold jump of uh, mass shootings. But here's the kicker. According to the FBI, 2.6 of all gun homicides are mass shootings. 2.6. 97.4 are criminals. Okay? Now, you don't diminish the 2.6 because the 19 kids are dead in Ivaldi and the others. The Florida incident, the Connecticut incident, you can't diminish it. But it's infinitesimal. However, the progressive left, Joe Biden, all the Democratic Party, they want to ban the weapons, but they don't want to crack down on the criminals who have illegal weapons. They don't want to do that. Stop and frisk, throw it out. That was the most effective law enforcement tour, tool to keep guns off the street and to keep gun-toting criminals at bay. Stop and frisk. Throw it out. That's what the left wants. So the left doesn't want to solve the gun violence problem. It just wants to ban guns. Because the progressive left believes that Americans shouldn't have the ability to protect themselves or do much of anything else. The government has, in their eyes, 
the authority to tell us what to do in every case. That's what progressive leftism is. The government runs the economy, tells you how much money you can have. The government tells you what kind of car, what kind of fuel, what kind of food. The whole thing is totalitarian. And in every single totalitarian state has ever existed from the Nazis to the Russians to the Chinese to the Venezuelans to the Cubans, guns are the first thing that were banned. And so you know. Hey guys, it's Vivek Ramaswamy here, inviting you to listen to my podcast, Truth. We just relaunched it after the campaign, and we are already riding up the podcast charts. Here's why. I think that hard, in-depth conversations about the tough issues is the only way we're going to get this country back. Because make no mistake, we are currently in a war for the future of America, and you cannot win a war unless you're willing to speak the truth. If you want standard conservative talking points, this podcast is not for you. But if you want to go deeper and hear the conversations you're not going to find anywhere else, the conversations that will challenge you, that will challenge me, then subscribe to Truth with Vivek Ramaswamy on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I promise you, you're going to cover terrain that you're not going to hear elsewhere. Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds, and stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code PODCAST. That's ARKSeedKits.com, promo code PODCAST. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. ArcSeedKits.com. So I told you yesterday we have a new segment on BillOReilly.com that we're going to extend a radio and television called Live a Smart Life, okay? And we're going to use your tips. And I just got one that I just want to tell you about. This is from Marion on a message board. And she says, basically, when you go into a restaurant, if you buy a beverage, as we discussed yesterday, it's going to stretch it from three to twelve dollars. If you buy an expensive cocktail, it's going to be twelve. If you buy a soda or coffee, it's going to be three. Okay, so if you got a family of five or six in there, you can do the math. So what Marion does, and what I do too, she orders a nice tall glass of water. That's free in most American restaurants. Now in Europe, they charge you for water, but not here yet. And then she gets sliced lemons, which they'll give you free. Squeeze the lemons into water and puts a dab of sweetener or sugar in it, and you got lemonade. That's what Marion does. It's a pretty good idea. I don't need the, I like the lemon, but I don't need the sugar or the sweetener. And I like the water. The water is better for you anyway. So that'll save you a lot of money. And and that's living a smart life. Another one I got was before you go to a restaurant, punch up the restaurant's name and website, and the menu will come up and know what you're getting into. Because all the prices will be on the internet before you go. You can see it all and calibrate what's worth it or not. 
So I got spaghetti and clam sauce last night at my local place, and they really do it well. They raised the price, $3 on it. Still worth it. Still worth it to get it because I like spaghetti and red clam sauce. I like the white, too, but I get the red there. And, but I got a big glass of water, and I got a little minestrone soup for the vegetables, and it was a great meal. It didn't kill me. Didn't kill me. Live the smart life. We'll have these segments periodically, I'd say two, three times a week. All right. And we have them listed on BillOReilly.com so you can read them every day. Thank you for watching and listening to the No Spin News. We'll see you tomorrow.